Podcast. Is, is there any sentiment to the song that appeals to you? No, I don't even like helping people. I'm out on that also. <laughs> Once again, Sesame Street thrown under the bus. Two podcasts in a row. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Fellas, how are you? Good. Good. Good ben you, Barton, nice to see you. Jeff Simons in California. You hanging in there? Yep. We're doing okay. Awesome. Now, no one, uh, we're, we're releasing these podcasts at different times. So uh, what we talk about isn't ne- necessarily of the times um, where they'll be listened. So there'll be a delay. Uh, I'm just hoping that our, our new president, Donald Trump is going to pull through and do some great things for this country. We're, we're taping this in 1986, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, we've changed the name of our podcast. Yeah, that's a good sign. Episode two, new name. Episode two, no, new name. Uh, we got some feedback from uh, listeners, my children. Um, Wednesday morning podcast just wasn't, wasn't hitting them. So, 50 years of music yeah. with 50-year-old white guys. Dancing. Whoa. That captures okay. it, for sure. Yep. Ben, could you explain the uh, format of the podcast? <laughs> so, what? every year since 1969, the year we were born, we select one song for the year, and then there are some other light rules, like you can't have too many songs from the same artist, like that part. Uh, right. Yeah, so much. But it's not the best song from that year. It's not the biggest hit song from that year. It's our favorite song from that year. And it's not even like it's our favorite song in 1969 when I listened to most. It's when I look back at it now, what's the song from that year that speaks to me now? Okay. That's an excellent explanation. But before we get to our three songs, we like to kind of set the stage. For sure. What, was, uh, what were the 1970s all about? Um, we're kicking it off with our Grammy winner. Do you have it queued up, Jeff? I do. So the Grammy-winning song of 1970 is coming up right now. It's the Grammy winner. Bridge Over Troubled Water.
hot take. Simon and Garfunkel, super overrated. That song sucks. <laughs> wow. wow. That's my take right there. That's a, that's a wow. heavy take. Gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to back it up. Very happy to back it up. It reminds me of the Spinal Tap Cups and Cakes song. <laughs> <laughs> so, I kind of like, I will say I kind of like Cups and Cakes. That's a pretty I know good you do. I know you do. You like that really cake stuff? Like I do. Out. I'm out I on do. Frilly collars, frilly collars, Wait. cravats. There's a space for that. Is, is there any sentiment to this song that appeals to you? No, I don't even like helping people. I'm out on that also. <laughs> Once again, Sesame Street thrown under the bus. Two podcasts in a row. Uh, Jeff, are you as harsh in your no, opinion? No, no, that's a, that's a ridiculously hot take. I'm not a huge Simon and Garfunkel guy. Um, I actually do agree with Ben that they're slightly overrated. I think they, they had the excellent timing of writing original songs when the folk thing was, was blowing up. Okay. And I think Paul Simon's written half a dozen classics, and this might be one of them. I think this is a good song. I don't know why Ben's so... Uh, so ruthless on it. Well, the folk thing blew up in 1963. We're in 1970. It's a late period. Well, like, so like, this we is not have to hear this. This weak crap. Yeah, so, but come on, Joni Mitchell's Blue is four months later. I mean, you're gonna are you? And you hate all the Joni Mitchell too? No, because that's a beautiful, spectacular remix. That's something new and interesting. That's like a, a retake on it. This is just a straight ahead 1963. Uh, folk slash pop song. It's just nah. Like, I just well, I don't. Th- I think that's a little too harsh. That, that last Simon and Garfunkel record has uh, the boxer on it. It's got Cecilia. Oh, it's Cecilia's got the, great. Yeah, it's got the I only mean, living the boy in New York. I actually even kind of like some of the stuff that's in the Graduate. I just rewatched the Graduate. Right, right, right. Oh, so so great. So great. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I know what the Grammys have in store for us in the 80s, and you're not going to believe. Oh, I'm in for that. You're yeah, not going to believe great. how far behind they've fallen by the time we get to the 80s. Well, Simon and Garfunkel have thrown us a bit of a wrench because usually our format is to go to the Grammy-winning song to get a flavor of the year and then the number one hit of the year. Uh, turns out it's the same. Yeah, uh, Which is fascinating because it was – pulled over from its release, I guess, in 1969, but it was still, oh no, I'm sorry, it's no, a number. It's a 70. It's a, okay, all right. Um, but that suggests that Ben's whole, like, it's behind and it was over. Like, it was the number one most popular song of one of the most, you know, one of the years in America where music was riding the zeitgeist. I mean, it was right. definitely I, beloved it, by it undergraduates. Marginally better than the, it's then the age of Aquarius. But I'm still <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Love it. Well, let's, um, let's, Love get it. In, let's get into 1970. Y'all are allowed to do research on your song, on your artists and stuff, but I'm, I'm hoping you're not going to like pick up tidbits of what happened in 1970. Uh, so Ben, first question to you, who won the Super Bowl in 1970? Ooh, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer to that. Jets, right? It is not the Jets. I don't know, Green Bay, who? Super Bowl four, Kansas City Chiefs 23, Minnesota Vikings seven. That's weird that you know that, but yes. That is upsetting. Yeah. Jeff Simons, who won the World Series? Oh, the uh, the Baltimore Orioles after being upset by the Mets in 69, right? And that the year Brooks finally got a ring? That is correct. 
some of the news stories. Okay, brace yourself for, for death uh, again uh, in our lives. A cyclone hit Bangladesh and killed 500,000 people. Oh, oh I mean, that's insane. Day in Bangladesh. An Especially earth- in 1970. Good Lord, there are half as many people on the earth. That's just... An earthquake hit Peru. 67,000 people died. This kills me. An avalanche in the French Alps took out a tuberculosis sanatorium, killing 74. Good Lord. But in America, what were the most infamous deaths of the year? Oh, I know that one. Jeff. You got it, Ben? I know nothing, yeah. Five undergraduates at Kent State killed by National Guardsmen in a war protest, right? Five or four? I don't know. Four. Less than, less than six. <laughs> Certainly less than 500,000. Yes. Oh, the, I think uh, it's four, right? It's like four dead. You know. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. I should have put that so, together. So the Kent State shootings uh, occurred in 1970. Uh, Apollo 13 was another big news story. Oh, yeah. um, what was the biggest news story in music, Ben Barton? Didn't some, I mean, some, some famous guys died, right? Did Hendrix die in 70? Maybe Jim Yeah, Morrison. he did. Hendrix. Morrison and Hendrix and Joplin all die in 1970, right? Does Morrison die in 70? Sure I don't, does. No, does. maybe 71. Maybe he does in okay. 71. Hendrix dies, Janice Joplin dies, and I don't know how she died, but I, I read that Tammy Terrell also dies. Oh, she has a massive aneurysm and dies in Marvin Gaye's arms on stage. Stop it. Yeah. What? Yep. An aneurysm yeah. as she yeah. was performing? Yeah, he never really recovered. Holy cow. Um, all right. Well, before we get to our three songs, we've got an impossible question. Jeff Simons, Dunes- help. Dunesbury debuts in 1970. It sure does. If you were stranded on a deserted island, would you rather have the complete collection of Doonesbury, of Calvin and Hobbes, or of the far side to entertain you for the rest of your life? Doonesbury, not even close. Gold medal with an absolute bullet. What? Really? It's got to be Calvin and Hobbes. It's got to be Calvin and Hobbes. No, I'm all right. I'm all right with the Doonesbury. Doonesbury was like how I learned about American culture, and it was the first thing that made me feel smart and like an insider, and I have uh, just unabashed love for the Doonesbury stuff. Wow. And I'm alone alone on a desert island. I don't need to remember to have empathy or care for other people. Like, I mean, I'd just be me and my cartoons, right? I am am a huge Doonesbury person. Me too. Support of Jeff's point, I will note, is a lot more. Right. Okay. A lot more. Like you're on a des- desert island. You yeah. A strip every year for 50 years. That being said, I would still choose Calvin and Hobbes because right. like I mean, the total package of that. I can. I mean, I can pick that up right now. I've read each one of those a hundred times and still enjoy. It. Yeah, it's true. And well, also, like that, more is not always better. There, are, there are 35 Rush albums. Oh, dude. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also thinking the far side could kind of trigger me because a lot of those um, comics feature a person on a deserted island. You know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That'd be, be really too much tough. staring into a mirror on that one. You're right. <laughs> um, all right. So, Ben, you have the invitation to cynicism question. Great. Nice. On brand. In 1970... <laughs> 
1970, Black Sabbath releases what is widely known as the first heavy metal album. Would the world have been better off without heavy metal? No, heavy metal's awesome. Really? Oh yeah, totally. What What am I oh, missing? Well, White Lion's Little Fighter, for one thing. Oh yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I have been a long-time metal fan. I had that record, uh, and that's just where I'm at. I, and you can go ahead and at me for sure. I did just mock Bridge Over Troubled Waters <laughs> and Pointless, and I'm going to go ahead. But yet, I'm going to defend metal. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty big into metal for sure. I, I, go ahead. The avant-garde today is in death metal. So if you're interested in, in jazz and free jazz, you should really be grooving on death metal. It's true. It's true. I'm sorry, White Lies, Little Fighter. Was... That's pretty damn good right there. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. So it's the... What turns me off then is the vocals on, on heavy metal. Yeah, there's some, there's some trouble with the vocals. You really can't... won't like. Uh, you might like death metal though, because there really aren't vocals per se. That's mostly them yelling Latin. <laughs> well, I'm just. I'm really afraid that my choice. So, part of this podcast is <laughs> that I am an everyday person, uh, and I fear, I fear the vitriol coming from the two of you. Uh, oh I, man. I am an everyday person. I very, felt very trumpian of you, Tim. Last week, or I, I was pretty good. I felt it a little last week. There was a subtext. Oh, that's um, funny. And I'm worried. Oh, dude, listen, if it's subtext, dance. <laughs> that's the best you're gonna get is subtext. <laughs> so this week is gonna be tough. Let's go to our three songs. Our three songs. I'm worried about mine. Ben went last week, right? What? What's that? Yeah, I, w- I went first last week, I think. So Ben goes first this week. Sweet. You want to do it, Tim, or no? No, I go last every time. Oh, you do. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Jeff Simons, if you will cue up James Brown's Superbad. Here it is. Uh, right. I was I was so close. Superbad by James Brown. That makes me want to shout I got something That tells me what it's all about <laughs> I got soul And I'm super bad Wow I got soul <laughs> And I'm super bad I couldn't stop until we got to oh. Wow oh, James Brown Woo! James Brown James Brown Oh yeah Dude um, I listen to music Walking into work and especially on days that I teach, I'm just getting amped and uh, students can see me. But I've had multiple students like, what is it? What are you listening to? <laughs> always, always, always. I'm like, James Brown, James Brown. He's the guy. If you want to get amped up for teaching, James Brown is the guy. I love it. Uh, yeah. So it's a 1970 recording. 
And to me, it sounds like it's just like so classic, perfect. And also like just that mid 70s funk sound is all completely together, right? And you were saying he started out I as a- come to James Brown late in life. I kind of liked that song. He started out as a gospel singer? Yeah, man. Dude, no, so like the James Brown story is freaking crazy. Like he's born in South Carolina, dirt poor, moves to Augusta, Georgia. His mom leaves. He's like living with an aunt at like at a reputedly at a whorehouse. He goes to juvie in Georgia at 16 for armed robbery. And then Bobby Bird finds him in juvie and he can sing. And so he gets him sprung to be in the gospel act. And then they're a gospel act for a couple of years till he's off probation. Then they quickly become the famous flames. So, and I was saying, basically, he's, this is like his fourth career as a musician. Like, it's freaking crazy, all the different stuff that this guy did. He's 37 in 1970. And I actually think it would be interesting to go back and look at pop musicians of this era, or any era, and be like, is there anybody else who hit their peak that late? You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, like, right. And to have this many different iterations of his career is just crazy. So then he's just like a, like a, a slow, ballady R&B singer. That's the, the late 50s. Then he's the live at the Apollo, you know, funk night train guy in the early 60s. Then you've got the mid 60s, late 60s, the licking stick and the I feel good. And then you move into the 70s funk era. And this song, uh, it's number one on the R&B charts. Maybe it's number 13 on the pop charts. The original version of the song is 10 minutes long. He's just putting out ah. these 10, 15, 18 minute funk songs where it just goes on and on and on. And then there's like the original crazy art rock where they're just looping on the different uh, beats to it, doing it over and over again. It's amazing. Awesome. And also here where he's like, basically it's not full on James Brown where he's making fun of himself where there are no lyrics. Uh -huh. But I mean like you can just picture him walking into the studio. He's like, ah! <laughs> he's got no idea what he's gonna say you just sing it quickly over on top of it it's amazing all right i need more james brown in my life i think oh, my dude, we'll have more there's another james brown coming well i think my children are gonna need more i'm assuming um, that's uh living in america for the 1985 oh dude i wish i the tiger yeah that's that that super bad is in my top five Top five of 1970. That's a great choice. Great what's choice. Uh, what's your choice, Jeff? Set us up for it. Oh, so I, this is the era for me of the perfectly crafted soul pop song. So this song's uh, got a lot in common with I Want You Back. It's got the same band, oh. and uh, it's also got a boy genius at the helm and uh, has, again, one of the all-time great first 10 seconds. Signed, sealed, and delivered by Stevie Wonder. long and i would just be like yep do that again do Let's that part go. again 
Let's it's go. only two minutes and 39, and I'm always That's so sad. That's part of the sad. reason why it's so great, though. I love yeah. that. It's that short? Yeah. Two, two minutes and 39 seconds. Yeah. That is too short. Yeah. Keep so it's going. Another, this is another Motown house band masterclass. Um, it's James Jamerson on bass, like last week. Same unbelievable walking, bubbly thing. What's amazing about this is uh, this is the opposite of James Brown. Like Stevie Wonder uh, gets discovered at 12. Right. Has the, the song Fingertips, which is basically just a harmonica solo. They think it's going to be a little one-hit wonder. Then the guy turns out to be, you know, like Paul McCartney, like a Mozart-level genius hiding in the Detroit slums. And then recording, recording, recording. But again, this is Motown, right? So all the songs are written by the in-house writers, Holland, Dozier, Holland. The band plays the songs. The singer's supposed to come in and play. Wonder is a kid when he signs the first contract. But he's about to turn 21 years old. And he's he wants commercial freedom. He wants the ability to, like, write it, pick play his own music, decide what everything is going to sound like, be his own producer. I think one of the most hilarious things is Wonder demanded to design his own album covers, oh. which I think is just for a guy who never had sight is a pretty funny thing to right. one right. final say on. But, but there's a key crucial moment here because Gordy's pushing him up, pushing him up, pushing him up. Marvin Gaye gets out of his contract at the end of 1970 and gets complete, total artistic control for his next record, a record called What's Going On. And Wonder goes in and says, I want the same deal you gave uh, Marvin. And, you know, oh, you'll ruin your career. Come on, please. You've got your hit factory. But Wonder's been saving material. The day after he signs the new deal, he goes into the studio for four months and records all the basic tracks for Music of My Mind, Inner Visions, Fulfilling First Finale, Songs in the Key of Life. Wow. The single, I think the single greatest, like, one-man output uh, maybe since Beethoven. Um, <laughs> and so Science Deal Delivered is an amazing example of collaboration. Great songwriters, great band, great singer. And it's incredible to me that the kid who wanted out of this, this creative situation because he thought he could do better actually ends up doing better. Yeah. I mean, how, how often does that happen? Where, you know, when, when right. the Beatles broke up, none of their stuff holds a candle to what they did together. And Wonder actually got better when he was given the freedom to, to go deeper into his own thing, which blows my mind considering how phenomenal Sound Steel Delivered is. Yeah, but you, like, this is a retro song, though. I mean, I love this song, and I'm, I don't mean that as critique. Right. This is, like, the best possible version of that sound, and to me, that's like a 68, 67 song. I totally agree. Like, it's, you know and it's Stevie Wonder, when he, when, when he had all those songs in his head, he was like, I've got a whole different thing, man. Like, yeah, right, a whole right. other sound that's waiting for me. And it's right. this. Here's the first song on the first record when he finally got his freedom. Please! This is him mama, on mama, baby. Wonder on every instrument here. Baby, baby, baby. Wow. Mm-hmm. He's just showing off. Every day I wanna fly my kite. And every day I wanna fly my and every day I want to get on my camel and ride. <laughs> totally different. Totally different thing. So he's you're playing, totally right, Ben. Like forward, forward focused rather than looking backwards. He's yeah. playing the drums there as well? Yeah, everything. He just, Wonder plays the drums on just about every track on those five records. Wow. There's a couple of, a couple of guys were brought in to overdub like really complicated stuff. But basically, like... 
90% of those five records is, is just Stevie. Oh, unbelievable. Um, by the way, 1970, we didn't mention the Beatles breakup. Should we have they mentioned do that? Indeed. Yeah. Do Paul McCartney leaves. Um, we also have a, a music festival on the Isle of Wight. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Where the 500,000 people kick down the fence to make it a free festival. And uh, there are the performers in the audience get into fistfights because the performers are English and want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We could not take a more starker turn when oh, it wow. comes to music. Uh, you guys are bringing it. In, uh, in one genre, I'm coming at it at a very different angle. I'd like to restate our, um, our vows that we're not going to make fun of each other. Whoa! <laughs> Wait a minute. Dude, that was not in the prenup. <laughs> uh, so, I, because I have no musical talent, I've never played an instrument. Uh, my children play instruments and they start talking about keys and chords. And I just have no, I, I have no idea. I have no point of reference. Um, so a lot of times music hits me lyrically. So I am going to go with, um, with a song uh, by a songwriter who Bob Dylan once said about his songs, I wished they would last forever. I'm going to go with If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. And I would like you to start. That's a body blow. I would, like, I, thought. I would like you to start. I love that you think I have that. I'm on YouTube. Here we go. Wait, I'd like you to start at the 48-second mark. You got it, dude. Oh, really? It approves at 48 seconds? Because... I mean, when a man is is dissecting the end of a relationship, that's going to hit a teenage boy like me. If I Could Read Your Mind by Gordon Lightfoot. If I could read your mind, love, what a tale your thoughts could tell. Just like a paperback novel, the kind of drugstore when you reach the part where the heartaches come, the hero would be me. Bob Dylan got his wish. <laughs> By the way, Tim, when I started going golf and having a Garfunkel, you missed have been like, whoa, I'm in from some trouble. I'm in some rough waters. Like, I think Simon and Garfunkel sucks. What are the odds that he loves Gordon Lightfoot? I mean, if it's I can a bridge to, over troubled waters, how could you not love it? I am um, dangerous, Harry. I'm, uh, I want to come to a song's defense here for Tim from a, from a compositional aspect. This oh, is a the, classic the, 70s pop single. It's got, I, it, I love how all the little hits from 69 to 73 tell a little tiny tale, right? It's the Brandy. It's the Brandy, You're a Fine Girl song, it right? It is indeed. It's not just like 
like the art rock was doing like images and you know oh well there's maybe there's a narrative but like pop songs in the 70s like daddy don't you run so fast right like they were these little novels right and this is one of those like they were lightfoot like we're we're just right there and it, he's gonna go to the drugstore he's gonna buy the paperback novel that's right the he's gonna tell you about the ending <laughs> i mean yeah. the lie heroes often fail and then uh later on he talks about how do you explain the feelings that you lack like oh raise your hand if you've ever been in a relationship and then you fell out of love with that person okay <laughs> what, are you doing, what are you doing to me <laughs> hands down right, so listen. it's got, it's got right, much more uh, so I always like songs that help me process that. Apparently, you guys like rhythms and beats that help you process that. Four, five, so six, uh, seven, my daughters eight. and I have been having this conversation about music, and in particular, it's about modern rap. Um, modern rap has got a bunch of sad rap and then mumbling rap. Okay. And my daughters are like, well, why can't rap express all emotions? Like, why does rap have to be about aggression or about uh, having fun? And I'm uh -huh. like, because that's what rap's about. <laughs> <laughs> and the, like, I, I will have an occasional sad song on this list, but I'm there for the aggression. And I'm there for the fun, for sure. <laughs> and I'm definitely never under any circumstances there for that string sound. That string sound, I'm That so string sound. And when no. you're like, how do you express those emotions? can't express. Oh, you know what you do is you bring a really cheesy string band behind you and they just <laughs> fall on off on a violin. So how often... session is just... Ben, how often do your daughters come to you and say, hey, Dad, I wanted you to hear this new song I've discovered. Oh, I'm actually really good about it. I've oh, you are? Okay, okay. Yeah. It's actually equally the other way. Like, Ben is digging up mumble rap for them to, to look at that he... <laughs> I mean... I, I try really, really hard. Hey, we all try hard on this podcast, but we really don't know what we're doing. If you do, give us advice on Twitter at 50 Years of Music Podcast. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.